Hey everybody, thank you for joining me today on the Lifescaping for the Believer podcast. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Dylan Stevens, and I'm so excited that you're here. This right here is where we focus on beautifying and enhancing the life that God has given you. Beyond just calling yourself a Christian, what does it mean to walk intimately with God through Jesus, and how do we live an empowered life by the Holy Spirit? I promise you that your life on earth is so much more valuable and important than just acquiring a ticket to heaven. And though that's the best part, it's not the only part of the upward calling of Jesus Christ. So sit back, enjoy the episode, and be sure to share this with somebody who needs to hear the Word of God today. Well, thanks for joining me tonight on the Lifescaping for the Believer podcast. You guys, tonight is going to be an amazing episode because it's going to be part one of a series that I'm starting called Walking in Covenant Wealth. And the reason I titled it that is because as I've dug deeper into my relationship with Christ and as I've gotten more into becoming a business owner and um, and just following ministries that are proving that the, that the hand of God is, is in the mix, I started to get very curious personally about what the Bible says about money, what the Bible says about wealth, what the Bible says about riches, all the different things. Because if there's one controversial topic that breaks apart a Christian family, breaks apart the Christian church, breaks apart, it's money. And so many people are familiar with the verse that that says that the root of all evil is the love of money. And in part one, as I'm launching this series, I want you guys to understand a couple things. The majority of Americans today are either on one half or the other. Now, one half will say that they hate and disagree with the prosperity message. And the other half simply doesn't understand it and doesn't take the time to investigate. And so they're even keel about it. Now, that used to be me. I wasn't mad about the prosperity message. I wasn't mad that the Lord wanted to provide for his children and wanted to overflow and wanted to, you know, do all these different things in your life. I wasn't, that didn't upset me, but I wasn't, I didn't have a fire to learn more about God's real provision, about his real overflow, about his effect on the nations, your family, all the different things when it comes to one specific thing, and that's wealth, money, riches. What is it, what does the Bible say? What does the word of God say? The foundational truth of money. And I wanted to break this open because I have seen myself walk through the six, or excuse me, I have seen myself walk through many different levels of this covenant wealth. And I haven't walked through all of them yet, but I know that I will because I'm on a trajectory to do that because it's what I want. I want to be a provider. I want to be somebody who handles money well and is able to bless other people, to provide, to meet needs, to push the kingdom of God forward, to invest, to do all the things that so many people cannot do because of a few different things. Now, I'm talking a million miles an hour because I've got so many notes. I've, I've watched so many videos. I mean, the, it just goes on and on. But tonight is going to be a great episode. And part one tonight, as we're talking about walking in covenant wealth, I want to break down what exactly we're talking about. Now, what is covenant wealth? Well, let me just talk about a few different things that we're in covenant with. Now, many Christians will agree that we're, we are in covenant with Christ because of his blood, right? 
the shed blood of Jesus began a new covenant. If you're familiar with communion at all, communion is where we partake in the body and blood of Christ. The body was broken so that we may be made whole and his blood was shed so that we can receive reconciliation through his blood back to the Father. We're completely redeemed, taken out of darkness, put into the kingdom of his beloved son, into the light. That is what his blood is for. Now, what many Christians fail to, to, to merge is the fact that Jesus's blood was not only shed for your ticket to heaven. Jesus Christ's blood was shed so that you might be whole, so that you might be brought into a covenant of a few different things. One of those is wealth. One of them is healing. One of them is reconciliation. One of them is um, restoration to the kingdom of heaven. Another one is land acquisition. And I want to talk mainly tonight about covenant wealth. Now, so many people are familiar with the story of the prodigal son. He threw his life away. He wanted his inheritance early. He ended up running away. His father didn't go running after him because that wouldn't have, wouldn't have poured out real repentance from his son. And so his father waited patiently. The son lived in debauchery for who knows how long. But in a split moment, his heart was convicted and he realized, no, I want to I want to be restored back to my father because he has everything I need. He's the one who provides for me, who gives me the overflow, who's going to clear my debt, all these different things. And when he decided to go back to the father, the father completely embraced him and did what? If you know what he did, then really meditate on this. He restored the son back to full ownership with a new inheritance he gave him a ring on his finger of, of, uh, of, of authority. He gave, him, he gave him sandals on his feet, meaning that he restored his rights, his rights, excuse me, and he put a robe on his back, the robe of righteousness. All right, now this is so symbolic, so important to understand because he was restored back to his father's wealth. Now, scripture is very clear that God owns all the silver and all the gold. So none of the money that comes into my possession or your possession belongs to us anyway. But what happens is as Christians begin to obey faithfully in their personal walk, in their relational walk with Christ, then you become a funnel for resources to come into your hand and then leave your hand into the kingdom of God to reach into the world and pull people out of poverty, pull people out of out of wickedness, pull people out of sin. That is your job, is to stand in the middle with Christ and say, I have been redeemed, you can be redeemed, here's how, and here's the covenant that you get to enter into. And boom, a new life begins. A few facts for you. I know I'm talking fast. Hope you guys are sticking with me. This is going to be a great episode. Covenant Wealth, Walking in Covenant Wealth, Part 1. Now, if I were to ask you this, how many times... Well, you know what I said this I said this last episode, so I'll say it again. I've heard before that the Christian Christianity as a religion was built on faith. That's not true. I heard a wise evangelist say this, and it rings very, very true and very evident. Christianity isn't built on faith. It's built on a fact, but it's received by faith. Now, because faith is such a crucial part of, of uh, I would say, 
every church, no matter what, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic, Protestant, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, it doesn't matter. Faith is going to be a key pillar for every single one of them. It's Our salvation is received by faith. That's a common denominator. Grace, common denominator. Love, usually a common denominator. Heaven and hell gets a little bit more iffy. And then the one that's the most controversial outside of healing is going to be money. In fact, I would say more than healing, money might be the most controversial topic. And I hope, I don't care that I'm 26 years old. I have evidence in my life and the lives of people around me that the Lord wants you to walk in covenant wealth. And the evidence that I do have, I want to share with you tonight. And the evidence I don't have, we're going to talk about from scripture because I know that's where the Lord is heading me. And that's where my faith is 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 targeted because I've seen it play out in other people's lives. Now, how many times do you think the Bible talks about faith? Probably the big dog, the number one thing that people, you know, associate with the Christian faith. You know, several thousand, I mean, I don't even know how many how many words are in the Bible. But there's 66 books a lot of pages, depending on the translation you read, you know, over a thousand pages. How many, how many times, how many verses mention faith in some form, some shape or way? Not, doesn't even have to be the exact word. Now, if you were thinking it's several thousand, sorry to disappoint you, it's between 330 and 500, depending on the translation you read. The New King James Version only has faith in a only has faith a part of a verse in some context 336 times all right what about love that's another big dog a lot of churches focus on love they they preach about love pretty much all the time it's in their discipleship it's in their programming it's in their this and that and this and that what would you say now that's a big one okay so it's probably more than faith right well it is more than faith but only by about a hundred you're looking at about just shy of 600 times in the whole Bible that love is mentioned in a context. Okay? What about heaven and hell? 800 times. And grace? Oh, you guys aren't going to know this one. Grace is only mentioned... Now remember, grace wasn't really, you know, really poured out until the new covenant began in this way where we're now living in the year of the Lord's favor. But grace is only mentioned 200 times throughout the entire Bible. What about money? How many times is money? Now, clearly, because it's such a built up and this kind of climax of this point, it's clearly going to be a lot more. Over 2,300 times, money is referenced in Scripture in some form or fashion. And yet people have this fascinating way of pointing one verse out and building an entire doctrine on it that demonizes money. Listen closely, you guys. Money in your hand is an asset that is used in the kingdom. Money in your heart will send you to hell. That is the, that is the game breaker. If you, if you can really staple that in front of you. Write it down and understand that that you don't have to hate money. You don't you don't have to despise it. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to live a mediocre life. You don't have to live in poverty. Money in your hand is an asset. Money in your heart will send you to hell. That is why scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. 
But that's just, that's not where it stops. Covenant wealth goes so much further than just having money in your hand, having money in the bank account. What is walking in covenant wealth? What is rightfully yours as a born again believer? What is rightfully yours, yours when you are partaking in the new covenant of Christ's shed blood? What is this new covenant or what is the covenant of walking in wealth? Well, tonight's part one. So we're going to look at six different levels of covenant wealth. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about where I'm at in those six levels. I hope that you'll take an evaluation of your own life and really dive into where you're at in these six levels and then set your faith on the sixth level. Honestly, set your faith on, on the sixth level of covenant wealth, which very few people attain. I'm talking about a very small percentage of people. But if you put your faith to action, like I said, money in your hand is an asset. Money in the heart, not a good thing. So covenant wealth. Tonight we're looking at six levels. I'm not going to be able to get through all of them, but over the next few episodes, we're going to break down these levels. I want you to turn with me to 2 Chronicles 26.5. And as you're turning there, I want you guys to realize that the blessing of God is not, it's not just an invisible, you know, supernatural, spiritual thing. It honestly has expression on everything in your life. And you know what? The, actually, I, I, I scratched that. Turn to 1 Chronicles 13. We're going to go there first, and then we'll come back to, to 2 Chronicles. But 1 Chronicles 13. Okay? I'm going to read a few verses here. But I want you guys to see that the blessing of God is not just this invisible spiritual thing. It has expression on your life. You will see it. You'll see it come into your hands, the actual blessing of God come into your hand, whether it's through land, whether it's through money, wealth, riches, relationships, all of it, the whole nine yards. Now listen, David assembled all of Israel from the Nile of Egypt. Hang on, I got to get my Bible up here so I can see and speak into the mic. All right. From the Nile of, of Egypt to Lebo Hamath to bring the Ark of God... From Jerium, I'm going to mess up some of these names. I just want you guys to know, but the point's coming at the end. And David and all of Israel went up to Bahala, that is to Kiritha Jerium, that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God. Now remember, the Ark is where the presence of the Lord rested. Wherever the Ark went, the people of Israel felt or had success. Wherever it wasn't, they were in ruin. Okay, the Ark of this, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord who sits enthroned above the cherubim. And they carried the Ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Io, where were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with their might, with songs and lyrics and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. And when they had come to the threshing floor of Shedon, Uzzai, or Uzzah, put out his hand to take hold of the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and struck him down because he had put his hand to the ark, and died there before God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and his place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid, just keep, just stick with me guys, I'm getting, I'm getting to the point, don't worry. 
And David was afraid of God that day, and he said, How can I bring the ark of God home to me? So they messed up. They weren't carrying the ark the right way. So David did not bring the ark home. Gosh, I can't flip this page. And did not take the ark home into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom. So they didn't bring the ark into the city. Remember, this is where the presence of God rested. Keep that in mind. Took, took the ark into the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the household of Obed-Edom in the house for three months. And the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that he had. So everything that Obed-Edom had was blessed by God because that's where the presence of the Lord was. Now remember, the Ark of the Co- this, this was a totally different covenant, but it's the same God. And I want you guys to understand this. Different covenant, same God. So under a new covenant, a much better covenant, now the presence of the Lord is where? Think about it. It was in the Ark of the Covenant and had to travel with the Israelites. And you had to go before the, the throne. You had to go before the Ark. You had to go before the priests. Now, that presence is inside of you. And everywhere you go, the presence of the Lord will follow. So now we, now we can start to picture, or I hope you can at least, that everything you have can be blessed by the Lord if you'll completely surrender. The house was blessed. The, the household of Obed-Edom was blessed and all that he had. So the blessing of God will show expression on everything that you hold, everything you have possession of, if you'll fully surrender to him. And let God be God. And put your hand to the plow, so to speak, and get busy. Now, flip over to Second Chronicle 26. Second Chronicle 26, verse 5. And I like this story. Now we're getting into the first part. I know that was a long introduction, but now we're talking about level one. This is the first level of covenant wealth. And when I say levels, I mean levels that you will see Christians today living in and levels that you can climb. Literally, in covenant wealth, there are levels because God is not going to pour riches on somebody that can't receive it. Because they'll get sent to hell. Money in the hand, asset, money in the heart, go to hell, right? So you have to be the one to position yourself to receive the wealth that God has. It doesn't just come to anyone. You have to be the one to go out and receive it faithfully. Second Chronicles 26, verse 5. He sent himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him to fear the Lord. Oh, hang on. I'm going to go back a little bit, a few verses. All right, I'll just start at verse 1, chapter 26. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father um, Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was, was uh, Jecolahai of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Note that, according to all his father, according to all that his father had done. He set himself, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him to fear the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So what's your role and what's God's response? Okay? It says that he Uzziah 
set himself to seek the Lord. That means that he had to force himself to seek the Lord. He, he put him, he put systems in place to seek the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So God's response to you seeking the Lord is that you will prosper. And what's our, what's our, what's our, our verse to back up the verse we just read. This is Old Testament. What's the New Testament say? What's the New Covenant say? Well, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Level one is supernatural debt cancellation. And this is level one. I can't tell you how many Christians I know, Christians I've lived with, Christians that... I followed for a long time, and now I realize that that's not the path that I'm on, and I've got to look to people who are, who are at the level that I want to be at. And people think that's selfish, arrogant, oh, well, that's not the way it is. That's the way I want to be, because I don't want to prosper for my own sake. I want to receive the blessing of the Lord so that I can give the blessing of the Lord. That is my sole purpose. Level one. The, and this is the lowest level. This is like underground. The minimum standard, I would say, level one, is debt cancellation. Scriptures say, be in debt to no one. It says, to, to owe no man anything except the bond of love. Go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you a great example. 2 Kings chapter 4. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Now, you can't be in much more debt than that. So this lady has creditors coming to take her children away. That's how in debt she was. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of olive oil. And then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, empty the vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. Bring me another vessel. And continued filling them. When the vessels were full, she said, bring me another. And, and, she, uh, and he said to her, one of the children, there's not another one. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, this is a, this is a picture of, the, of honestly what happens when you, when you come into, when you realize the importance of level one, all right? When you live in debt, you have your authority stripped. People own you. That's literally what being in debt means. You are basically a slave. You have to do what they, you have the terms and conditions underneath them. You have to pay them or there's penalties. They can do and take what they want from you. So when you're in debt, you are severely limited in your ability to make kingdom impact. When you are swallowed in debt, drowning in debt, you, you can't do that. I know firsthand experience what it looks like to live in debt. Six months out of college, I was five grand in credit card debt. My girlfriend at the time had no idea. And when she found out, there were issues. And, and understanding that debt, sir, it, it, is, it is a cancer to your impact in the kingdom. It's literally a cancer. 
And if you can't get that through your mind, you'll never get in, you'll never step in to the other five levels of covenant wealth. You have to do these in order. I'm being 100% honest. You won't experience level three unless you go through one and two first. Because you, this is, it's a training ground, but it's also a receiving ground, right? Now, because she was in severe debt, I have a question for you. Is God interested in getting you out of debt? Clearly. Clearly, he's interested. The real question is, are you interested in getting out of debt? Because I'll be honest, I know a lot of people who believe that debt is a good thing because it helps boost them in their business or gives them a better credit score or they can, you know, whatever the reason is, you cannot live that way because it's constantly hanging over your head. It's constantly giving you a reason to, to, to feel stress and anxiety because you're going to have to pay it off at some point. It, it absolutely owns you. And I know people who've been bankrupted by it. And this, I would say the worst part about level one, I say the worst part, being debt-free is amazing. Like me and my wife are debt-free. The only debt we have over our head is the house that we live in. And, um, you know, we're, we're honestly seeking the Lord. And if that's even where we need to be right now, because debt, that's how much I hate debt now. And I had no idea how much I hated it until just, you know, this last couple of years. But a lot of churches even, a lot of ministers, a lot of, uh, I know this is how I thought growing up, was that this was as high as it goes. Like living a debt-free life, you know, like that's the big, that's the big thing that people want. You know, that's what the Dave Ramsey, you know, living debt-free is somehow the ceiling when in fact it's the floor. Stewardship says that I have to take care of my money and live debt-free. I'm not going to be in debt to anyone, so I'm going to steward what I have. Stewardship is the lowest rung that Christians should be at. And I'm being I'm being blunt, but I'm also being honest. Debt-free is the beginning. You have got to get debt-free. And I'll tell you this. When you press into the Lord, fast and pray over the debt, curse the debt in Jesus' name, the Lord shows up in amazing ways. And there's evidence throughout scripture that God can move the debtor's heart to cancel the debt for you. They can forgive your debt. God can move someone else's heart to pay off the debt for you. Or God can move supernatural resources into your hand, just like in 2 Kings, to be able to pay the debt yourself. So press into it. There are more options than just making a minimum payment and paying bukus of interest to some heathen bank that wants to take the money out of your hand and put it in their pocket. We can't do that. Being debt-free helps nobody but you. And that's why it's level one. Level two. I'm going to hit two levels tonight. And then we'll probably hit levels three and four in the next episode. Level two is, I believe, where about 90% of Christians hit their ceiling. And when they, when they get to this point, now all of a sudden they feel like, oh man, like I'm, I'm really living the life now. Oh, I'm, I'm able to tithe now. Oh man, I'm able to, you know, all these different things. But level two, <laughs> it's only level two. There's four more levels after this. And I, I want to throw a disclaimer out there. These are honestly not even my notes. I added some stuff to them. Yes. But I originally got this, this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, this sermon, so to speak, this uh, talk about money from Jonathan Shuttlesworth, a very, a very famous, I believe, evangelist who does a lot of traveling as a church now. And I heard him talk on this and I couldn't help but get it out there because 
I'm seeing the Lord after listening to it and putting it into practice. I'm literally seeing myself walk through these levels to where I am now. And I, I'm pressing into the next level. So what is level two? Level two is where 90% of Christians hit their ceiling. They live the rest of their life completely content. And they never really get to experience the goodness of God in the next levels. Now remember, I'm not talking about sinning. I'm talking about living God's best life for you. In the intro, I talk about how there's much more to our life than just acquiring a ticket to heaven. Getting, getting to heaven is the best part. But people don't understand that you are building up. You're building up wealth even in the next life. You know, the Lord talks about mansions being built for you because of the deeds done on he, done here on earth. The scriptures talk about that that things will be withheld from you in heaven because you withheld them here on earth. So tap into these levels because making it to heaven, even though heaven is the best part, there is so much more on earth that you can tap into to make kingdom impact. Level two, supernatural provision. Level one is supernatural debt cancellation, living a debt-free life. That's the minimum. It's like you're underground. Level two, supernatural provision. And now we're on ground level. And when you're on ground level, now you can see everything and you don't have weight on your shoulders. You don't have six feet of dirt on top of you, but you're still on level two. You're still at the ground level. What's, what am I talking about when I say supernatural provision? Well, most people believe that when you have, this is where the prosperity message comes to a screeching halt for many people because they're like, oh, well, I believe in prosperity, but you know, only, only that God provides all my needs. You're a hundred percent right, but there's more to it than that. Supernatural provision is, is it's level two because God provides all your needs so that he might receive all the glory, but it also sends a refreshing to your to your circumstances so that you can be freed to now go live out and be a resourceful Christian in the kingdom. Psalm 23. Flip over there for me. Psalm 23. A very well-known verse. Mm, excuse me. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know why I'm flipping there. I can just read it, but or I can just quote it, but I kind of want to read it. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. Boy, it's taking me a while to get to Psalms. Yikes. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Some verses say I shall not want. Some verses say I shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. When you can come to a place in your, in your walk with Christ, where I have come to, where you say, the Lord provides everything I need. I don't need the approval of man. I don't need the signature of a bank. I don't need... I don't need any of that. In fact, I don't need, I meet needs. The Lord provides everything for me so that I can go out and be a provision to the world. What did Jesus say? That we are now the light of the world because he is the light of the world. 
1 Kings 17 gives a great example of this. Trying to figure out where I want to start. 1 Kings 17. Okay. Now Elisha the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the book, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook, by the brook, by the brook Cherith, that is east of Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the book, uh, from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil. And now I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and then die. And Elisha said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends the rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elisha said. And she and her husband, or excuse me, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar and flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. Now, in a state of severe famine, of severe drought, Elijah was fed twice a day by ravens, bread and meat, and he drank from a book, from a brook, safely. And when the brook dried up, guess what? The Lord provided the need there too. Now, is this the same God or a different God that, that gives us a better covenant now? I would say we have a much better covenant now. By his stripes we were healed. And uh, I want to say it's Proverbs 10. I can't remember where it is. See if I wrote it down. Well, I can't remember. That's all right, though. Maybe it'll hit me later. But even in this verse alone, supernatural provision is when God doesn't just meet your needs, but meets the requirements for you to to live a prosperous life. Provision, prosperity. 
to where you're not lacking anything. Like Psalm 23 says that I, I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And many, many, many uh, translations say I shall not lack or I lack nothing. Is that the mindset you have? And I've said this before in other episodes, but how is it that you talk on a daily basis? You know, what's your I am statements, your common I am statements? I am tired. I'm sleepy. I am. I'm in need of this. I'm, you know, I, I, whatever. Are you constantly in a state of lack or constantly in a state of provision? Is the Lord providing? If not, you've got to position your faith and your word in front of this. Level two of this, of walking in covenant wealth, the six different levels, supernatural provision. The Lord providing all of your needs, every last one of them. <laughs> and you know, so I, you know, a funny story. I remember last year I was, um, I was literally pushing on my last dime in my business and, uh, the season's coming to a close. I don't do work over the winter. And I remember that the Lord spoke to me to give a significant amount of money to a missionary that was in town. And I sat on it for about two weeks and I felt a prompting of the spirit say, if you don't do it now, then the provision won't come. Basically was what I was feeling in my spirit. Like I need to do this because I can't hang on to this money like it's the last drop in the bucket. I have to live like there is constant provision regardless of what is in my hand. Remember, we're a funnel. We are not a reservoir. We have to act as a funnel, continually funneling the resources back into the kingdom. And the provision comes from behind, you guys. So I ended up giving the money that the Lord called me to give and not even, it was right around the corner. The Lord provided work that was, what is it? 20 times the amount that I gave. And even this year, my business is excelling in, in more ways than one, in ways that I was not expecting at all. And it's because the Lord continues to provide. Me and my wife are living in a season of the most provision we have ever experienced. And we're tapping into level three. And we're literally seeing resources that we, it's almost like we don't even necess, we don't even, we don't, we don't even require them. It's just, it's excess because the Lord's continuing to pour out his blessing on our family. And it, and it all comes from the, from the position of our faith. And more importantly, the position of our confession. Do you confess every day that the Lord meets your needs, that you, that the Lord meets your needs? Because if he does, then guess what? Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you buy, all those things, when your confession is in line, the Lord comes from behind and provides. Provides through people, provides through business, provides through supernatural revelation. I mean, oh, for goodness sake, like Elijah had ravens come and feed him twice a day and people can't believe the Lord that you'll have three meals on the table. You know, what's the difference between between Elijah trusting the ravens to show up with his, with his meal versus you believing that the Lord will keep the lights on in your house. Like there's no, it's not even a contest. The Lord delights in blessing you. You guys need to know that. The, the Lord delights in blessing me. I want you to say that to yourself. 
The Lord delights in blessing me. He does. Blessing has such a sour taste in so many people's mouth because they feel like either they don't deserve it or they feel like it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not God's main agenda. You know, he doesn't, it's not about, you know, people, Christians say it's not about God blessing me. It's just about me. You know, how many, how many of you know that, that, that our job is just to, to live righteously and just praise the Lord, whether good times or bad times come. And it's like, that's so twisted because scripture says the Lord loves to give good gifts to his children. So if you're a child, my goodness, I have a daughter who's six months old. If she wanted it, she's going to have it. She's going to have a life that I didn't get to live. She's going to have resources that I didn't have. That's nothing against anybody in how I was raised. My mother and father were great. They provided everything we needed. But I want to leave an inheritance to the second and third generation behind me. I want to leave, you know, uh, the scriptures say that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Skips a generation, you know. That's the trajectory that I'm on. And above that is affecting the nation, and then above that, affecting the world. What trajectory are you on? Are you just worried about making it day to day? Because then you'll get stuck on level one and two. Level one and two are crucial, they're important, and it's God's blessing. It's God's blessing on your life to live a debt-free life. Do you guys know that debt is a part of the curse (laughs) in Deuteronomy 28? Debt is a part of the curse. Poverty, which is the opposite of provision, right, is a part of the curse. Christ came and redeemed us from the curse of the law. Redeemed us because Christ fulfilled it. Now we live in covenant with him. And when we're completely surrendered to him, seeking righteousness, living holy, trusting in the blood of the lamb, we are walking in covenant with him. And we can fully expect without any shame on the inside saying, oh, well, it's bad to want money. It's not bad to want money. The only thing scriptures say about money is it's bad to love money. What did I say earlier? Money in your hand, money in your heart. Where are you positioned? If you don't like money, if you don't like the prosperity message, it's because you're only focused on the money being in the heart, which you're correct. Money in the heart, that's not prosperity. But money in the hand, I'm not blessed so that I can stay blessed. I'm blessed so that I can bless others. I look to give. I don't look to receive. I don't look to receive. I look to give. The higher you get up in levels, the more you can give. More blessed to give than receive, right? Amen. (laughs) Well, I think that's enough for tonight. Level one and two. Pray into it. Find out if you fall into one of these two levels. If you do, that's okay. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with with desiring to be debt-free. If you're in debt, that's okay. We'll curse that debt together in Jesus' name. We will bind it and we'll loose God's blessing on your life. Well, loose, supernatural debt cancellation. In fact, let's go right into prayer, you guys. Almighty Heavenly Father, you're so good. You're so worthy of praise. And we rejoice that we walk in covenant with you. And part of that covenant is wealth. Living a prosperous life, not struggling day to day, not fighting to make ends meet. So whoever is listening that has debt hanging over their head, in the name of Jesus, I curse it 
I curse it in Jesus' name and command it to fall off their shoulders because it already fell on Christ on the cross. Father, I pray that a new beginning would come into effect. Even tonight, a stranger calls, somebody gets behind them, supernatural resources fall into their hand, whatever it takes, Lord, I command it to be loosed in the heavenly places. In Jesus' name, I curse that debt with everything that's inside of me. I hate it. It hangs over us and it sucks the resources we have that could be put to much better use. So I curse it in Jesus' name. Father, whoever is here that's living in poverty, struggling to make ends meet, that's not how we were meant to live. That's not, nobody in the Garden of Eden struggled. And when sin entered the world, it caused the curse to come on us. So I curse that curse. <laughs> and I pray that you would spark new life. Bring supernatural provision into every person's life that's listening. That they would never have to ask someone to pray for their financial situation again. That you would just supernaturally intervene in the mighty name of Jesus. And what's more, we thank you for it in advance. We thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you are our good Father. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask all this. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to share this broadcast with somebody, for real. We're talking about walking in covenant wealth. It's only going to get better from here. We got levels three and four coming up in the next episode, which will drop next week. Keep your eye out. Love you guys. Have a great day slash night slash drive slash wherever you are. Love you guys.